Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the fan of history. I am the fan of history, and with me is another fan of history, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, we're here doing our third episode, uh, in, in decade by decade. We're on the uh, 990 to 980 BC this time. And last time we talked about the 990s, where um, not a whole bunch had changed from the uh, 1000 uh, BC that we talked about the first time. Uh, but there was a there's a new ruler in Egypt and a new ruler in China, which are pretty interesting and some exciting things might happen later with them. Yeah, this time we are going to Babylon and you will hear me butcher ancient Sumerian. <laughs> uh, we already uh, done this on YouTube. There is uh, please check out our YouTube channel, Fun of History. Uh, we uh, are. About 150 years ahead of the podcast there. Uh, the podcast is longer, so but there are graphics on YouTube. You can see maps and even some pictures, like of Ashurabi II, if you want to know what he looked like. Okay, Babylon is an ancient city at this time. It's in uh, southern Iraq, in, on between in Mesopotamia. And it controls the Babylonian plain, uh, which is an extremely fertile area. And there has been civilization going on in uh, on this plane for uh, two to four thousand years at this time, depending on how you define civilization. Uh, Babylon has been pretty badly hurt by the Dark Age. Uh, there are Aramean tribes uh, infringing on Babylonian territory, but Babylon, like Assyria, has survived. And in 987 BC, the king Eolmas Sakinsumi dies. He was the founder of the sixth dynasty of Babylon, known as the Bit-Basi dynasty. He comes from a barbarian tribe called the Kassites, but they have been ruling Babylon for so long that they are now almost fully assimilated. And his title is, he's the Tsar Kisati, the king of the world. <laughs> but he's actually just ruling over a couple of cities in southern Iraq. Uh, he's succeeded by Ninurta Kuduri Uthur. Say, say that three <laughs> times fast, huh? 
Babylonian king's name always begins with a god. So Ninurta is a god. And it's like the, the god that this king decides to honor more than any other god. Uh, we have uh, a saved text that is dated later from the reign of this king. And it concerns uh, the murder of a slave girl. Uh, there was an, a Fletcher, an archer, somebody who sold bows and arrows, who had uh, a slave girl, and somebody shot her with an arrow. And he demanded uh, payment or punishment for this death. And there is uh, this sort of the trial description. There are uh, some important people overlooking this, including three important Kassites then from this tribe, uh, the same tribe as the king. And it's decided that uh, the guy who shot the slave has to pay the owner of the slave seven slaves in punishment. And this is the only writing we have from this period. The Babylonians are notorious for writing everything down and mostly on stone. So we have a lot of old Babylonian writings, but not from this period. So the sources are extremely bad. And you know that the times are bad when the Babylonians are not writing stuff down. Because they are like almost writing everything down. We have huge amounts of writings from Babylon that is earlier than this, but not from this period. Okay. Hey, I just wanted to ask about uh, about writing. You know, not everywhere in the world has it. Some have languages that we we don't know, and some some just don't have writing. Um, but the yep. Assyrians and the Chinese and the well, the Egyptians have their uh, hieroglyphs. But um, what what was the standard medium of writing? Because uh, the Chinese had paper at this time, right? And I was just wondering, like, what kind of mediums do they all write on? Actually, I know that the Phoenicians are writing on papyrus. And that's why we almost have nothing preserved from the Phoenicians, because the papyrus has been destroyed. Egyptians are probably also writing on papyrus, but they're also writing on stone. Uh, so stone and clay tablets are the best, because they have come down to us. Um, the, the Assyrians and Babylonians are writing in the same uh, alphabet. It's, uh, it's not an alphabet, but in the same writing system, uh, cuneiform, that we have deciphered so we can read everything they write. But it's an extremely hard language to read and write. So uh, maybe a less than, uh, a very few people were literate. Less than 1%. And most kings weren't. So you have to dedicate your whole life to reading and writing if you are going to be able to read and write in these languages. The Phoenicians have an enormous edge on everybody because they have an alphabet with... That has pretty much come down to us today. So they have our modern alphabet uh, in a very early stage. So in, in Phoenicia, that is on the coast of Syria, pretty much, on the Mediterranean, they can, a lot of people can read and write. And this helps them in their trading, because they are trading people. So they keep track of all their stuff with their writing. But uh, very little of it was on stone, so we don't have much of it. We have some. In uh, 986 BC, the Libyan pharaoh of Egypt, Osorkon the Elder, uh, dies, probably from old age. And he's succeeded by an Egyptian called Siamun. And Siamun will reign uh, in Egypt for uh, 19 years. Uh, remember what I said in the 1000 BC episode, that Egypt is divided. So um, 
the southern part of Egypt is ruled by the high priest of Amun from Thebes. And at this time it's a guy called Smendes II. And we have indications that Smendes is uh, in the Valley of the Kings moving tombs and doing strange stuff with the tombs there. So some people think he is actually plundering the tombs and that he's financing the post-apocalypse party in Egypt with stuff from ancient kings. And some people just think that he's protecting the tombs from grave robbers. But it's a, a contested uh, thing. Uh, Siamun is an actor in the Bible. So there is a lot of things he does in the Bible. Uh, not a lot of things. He does some things in the Bible. We're not going to talk about them. But he is a historic person. He was the pharaoh of Egypt uh, at this time. He might actually have been a Libyan, but the uh, general consensus is that he was an Egyptian. Because Osir Khan was a Libyan. Uh, he looks outwards from Egypt, and it's probably the first time this really happened since the Bronze Age collapse in 1200 BC. So Siamun will care about stuff that happens outside of Egypt. And there's an interesting problem for any pharaoh that wants to... Egypt never became an empire. Even when it was at most powerful in the 13th century BC, it wasn't really an empire. Because they have a big, big problem if they want to conquer anyone. Because if you, if you are an Egyptian, you care so much about the afterlife. Egyptian culture is all about getting reborn. and going, going to, Not reborn, but life after death. Is so important to the Egyptians, and in order to be to have a life after death, you have to be buried in Egypt. So if you go outside Egypt and die in a battle, and people don't get your corpse, then you will lose eternity. So it's very hard to motivate Egyptian soldiers to go very far from Egypt. And I think some pharaohs in the New Kingdom, that is the 14th, 13th century BC. They got around this by redefining Egypt. <laughs> but that was always a shaky method. But Siamun will look outside of Egypt and we'll come back to that. Uh, in 985 BC, our buddy Ninurti Kuduri Usur dies after only two years on the throne of Babylon. And is succeeded by Siriktu Sukamuna. That's one of the... Oh, the one thing about the Babylons is they have very easy to pronounce names. That's like a note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm buttering them horribly at this point. And Sirikti Sukamuna, he dies after only three months. So, uh, and then something really, really strange happens. There is a guy called Marbiti Atla Usur who becomes king of Babylon. And he has the really strange title that He's the son of Elam. And it looks like he is from Elam. And Elam is a very mysterious, very ancient country that is located in southern Iran today. So it's right next to Babylon. But the, the terrain between Babylon and Elam is pretty unforgiving. So they are quite isolated from each other. But this guy from Elam, who might or might not have ruled Elam at this time, he becomes the king of Babylon. And he is the entire 7th dynasty of Babylon, uh, just by himself. And we don't know how he became the king, or 
why he's an Elamite, and if he or if he ruled Elam at all. But I think that this would be a good time to mention Elam. Uh, there is a, it's a, it's a very very strange culture. They have their own gods. Uh, they have fantastic art. They have a unique language that is unrelated to any other language in the world. Uh, they've been around for almost as long as Egypt. So they, this kingdom is actually much older than Assyria or Babylon as state. Uh, we know more about Elam earlier and a little bit more later. It seems that at times this kingdom was matriarchal, that women actually ruled Elam. But it's, uh, it's covered in... It's hard to decipher things about Elam, mostly because Elam had been pretty badly destroyed at several times, but it has always returned. And now it returns very spectacularly, taking over Babylon, maybe. Or maybe this was just an Elamite that became the king of Babylon and had nothing to do with Elam. Uh, we don't know, but it's, it, it's noted in the sources that this guy was from Elam. And it's unique. It never happens again, and it hasn't happened before. Okay. I have a question about uh, Ninurta Kaduri uh, Usur and, uh, and his, and his yep. brother, whose name I won't even try to pronounce. Um, yeah, that was Sirukti Sukamuna was his brother, I should have mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had a question. Uh, Nakurta Kaduri Ursur died after just three years as king. Do we know anything about why or how? Or, I mean, I, I'm sure no, they we didn't don't. Have, we don't know. know. We don't know anything about this. Uh, these old kings, sadly, almost okay. because okay. Uh, the sources are just kings lists at this. Time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, okay. And there are Sek several kings lists. Okay. And then Sekirda Semun... Sekwanmuna? Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, the listener knows After as much about Sirukti Sukamuna now as uh, the best Babylonian scientists in the world. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's it's not like we don't we don't know if it was 
illness or old age or assassination or any, we don't know anything about it at all really no no not for any of these guys sadly okay just because I, I don't know three years and then three months is awful suspicious <laughs> yes so there could very well have been violence or a rebellion and they put this Ilamite guy on the throne because he was great uh, and he seems to be a, a decent ruler if you go north of uh, Assyria if you go north of Babylon, you come to Assyria uh, and you leave the, the plain and go up into the mountains, but into the hill country pretty much, where everything is much nicer. So the Babylonian plain only has this fertile earth and they have to import everything else. So if you want to like have wood to build your roof, you have to get it from somewhere else. So Babylon is a great place to trade stuff too, but the Assyrians, they have most of the natural resources including iron then that you need but they don't have as fertile uh, earth but they have pretty good earth so the Assyrians are well provided for by nature uh, they are ruled by Ashurabi II who is still uh, surviving and uh, yeah keeping uh, things uh, under control Assyria is threatened from every direction but now it seems that uh, things are stable so the Assyrians are starting to drill, they train their army, they have the best army in the world, they're building iron weapons, and they are starting to assimilate uh, the closest Aramean tribes. So it's like, well, if you come to Asher, the capital, and you uh, worship the god Asher, the god of war, and you promise to obey the Assyrian king, you are accepted as an Assyrian. So Assyria is growing in power, not, not in territory, but Assyria is starting to get safe and uh, they are starting to look for some, or at least preparing that um, to punish everyone who has been threatening Assyria. I was, I was going to say, I was wondering what they're going to do with all those uh, steel weapons and giant military. Yeah, it might, might be too early to talk about this, but this is where the tide turns. Their last setback is... Uh, about this time and um, yeah they are they are some mean guys they are great fighters and they have enemies all around them and these enemies are not gaining ground anymore okay so this is really a, for Assyria this is really a turning point from you know defending their, their, their themselves to the, there's no glorious turning point we know about but it's like it's really gritty it's, they're grinding themselves to a point where they are not losing territory anymore and uh, yeah, they are they are ready. They are getting ready. It will take some time. We'll find out about that later. Two areas where we don't know a lot is Europe and India. In Europe, there are Villanovans hanging around in Italy, being egalitarian and not doing much. Greek is in the Dark Age. Uh, they don't have writing. In India, Kuru and Panchala are kingdoms in the north. Uh, they... Uh, this is the Vedic period of uh, India, and there is an early, early stage of Hindus uh, spreading through India. It's called the Vedic religion, I think it's the real term, it's not really Hinduism as we know it today. But it is the first of the great world religions. You, there is argument that uh, Judaism is around at this point, but if it is, it's not making any any political uh, you, you don't notice it in the historical record 
but it, the Vedic religion is definitely going on in India, and a lot of the Vedas have already been created. They haven't been written down because the Indians don't have writing at this time, but they are orally carried through history from much earlier than this, and there are Vedas being created uh, right uh, in this period in India. So it is interesting to note that Hinduism in some ways survived 3,000 years, whereas all the other polytheistic religions in the world, most uh, all religions in the world at this time are polytheistic. They have many gods, but only Hinduism makes it through to today. And that's uh, really interesting. I think it has to do with how tightly integrated into the Aryan society that Hinduism is, or the Vedic religion, then. Uh, the caste system, etc. It's not really there yet as well. And uh, everything about India is so uncertain for this period. There's been great work uh, done very recently. I think there surely there are people working on this period in India right now. Uh, we don't know a lot about India from this period. Is it because they just didn't write? Or was it just a cultural thing that they just don't write that much stuff down? Because, I, I mean, I know that, like, modern... Uh, like modern Indian culture is passed, you know, verbally. It's not really written down anywhere. So is it is it similar back then? Uh, it's it's only orally. It's very contested when they regain their writing ability, but it doesn't happen for hundreds of years from this point. So they can't write. And there's also the problem that there has been very little archaeology done in India mostly because of political reasons and because areas are so populated today that it's hard to do archaeology. But uh, this is turning around and there is some great digs going on right now. So um, it will be interesting to see what they find out. Maybe we'll have to go back in 10-15 years and actually tell the story about India in this period. But right now it's really hard to do. Whereas in China we have some sources for this time. China is ruled by King Shao. He is more interested in rare birds and animals than in actually governing China. But he has a lot of good people helping him. And all the other states of China or of Su China are ruled by the small state of Shu. And in, there's a tributary state called... <laughs> Shu, <laughs> this is com confusing, right? So Su China is the dynasty ruling, and the Chu is a tributary state to the south, which is actually much bigger than Su. Uh, and the, the thing on the agenda here, we have some campaigns in this area against the eastern barbarians, and these are barbarian tribes living on the coast of China, south of the mainland, uh, main Su China territory. Uh, but the thing, the next thing that King Sao needs to do is to conquer area to the south next to this province of Chu. And the province of Chu is ruled by a guy called Xiong Ai, who then owes fealty to King Sao. Uh, but that's for next episode. Keep listening to see what happens. In Mexico, <laughs> the Olmecs are still uh, around. Actually, they, their high point is far in the future. And uh, we don't know anything what happened in this period, as we can't read what they wrote. And we don't have that many uh, sources all Olmec writing, so 
we probably will never get like kings lists or and we don't actually know if they really had kings but we, we suspect that they did the Olmec cities uh, the area of San Lorenzo is the main religious center of the Olmec society right now uh, or right now in, in 980 BC uh, and San Lorenzo seems to be a ceremonial city. It's not a city as we know it. It's not a city like the cities of Babylon or Assyria. Because uh, it seems to be a temple area. And it has running water. And a lot of interesting things. But it seems it, it's not defended. And it seems to be a place where you go for religious ceremonies. So people come in from the entire Olmec area to San Lorenzo to do something. Uh, we don't know what they're doing. We do know that the Olmecs are, their main source of protein is dog meat. So they have the domestic dog and they eat their dogs. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you more about the Olmecs. Well, they'll be around for quite some time. And that's all we know about the 980s BC. So really, it looks like Babylon is really the, the happening place right now. And Assyria is kind of, uh, it's turning into, they're, they're turning things around uh, from, you know, uh, uh, slowly being defeated. Too. At least they have they have stopped the tide. They mm -hmm. haven't really done anything to turn things around okay. and go in a positive direction. But th their decline is gone. Okay, they're they're reducing the decline then. Yeah, where, whereas Babylon is still in trouble. Babylon is still losing territory and losing uh, farms mostly to the Arameans because th these Aramean tribes that are very loosely organized, they uh, are not really interesting in settling down. They love to run around and destroy stuff and steal people's uh, farms and their things. And they're they a very bad thing for civilization. And they've been doing this for uh, at least 100 years, probably 200, all over the Middle East. Okay. And then places like uh, India and Europe and Mexico with the Olmecs, we kind of don't really know just because we can't. We either don't have writing or we can't read their writing. Yeah, there is there is something to be gained from archaeology, but uh, in this show we are mainly looking at history, that is, periods with written sources. We will mention, before we get to 900 BC, we are, we're going to mention North America, we're going to mention Africa, and tell you a little about what we know. But th those are all things from archaeology, there is no writing in those, those areas. And we are soon going to go to South America. And there we know a little more, actually. But right now, nothing is going on in South America if you define civilization as societies with writing. That's all really interesting, Dan. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to research all this and share it with us. All right. <laughs> Next time, we'll uh, look at what uh, the pharaoh of Egypt, Siamun, will do uh, when he looks to the other countries for the first time in a long time. And Egypt will uh, go to war once again. All right. Well, th yeah, thanks, for, uh, thanks, Dan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we hope, to, we hope you tune in next week. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, please go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like and share, and tell people about this podcast. Give us reviews on iTunes if you want to. Um, yeah, and thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.